Taking our kids to see snow really for the first time, essentially for both of them. Uh, our son saw some snow as a very little baby, but he doesn't remember it, and he's super excited. Um, so just doing a little weekend out in the middle of nowhere in California in the mountains. Um, All right. I, I can tell you it does get old, the snow, after after a certain point. Oh, I know. I mean, I I am an adult who chose to live in California. I, I know. But for the moment, I'm just, you know, sitting here at my desk, relaxing um watching you know do do you play fifa ever <laughs> do i play fifa ever <laughs> um well you're probably better than me so i'm not the better question is when am i not playing fifa okay good so you'll get this because when you uh had a bit of a delay getting going i just you know flipped on the ps5 and started a little game of fifa so right now with a paused game, I'm just like watching highlights of my own FIFA brilliance. Um, oh, that's a, that's podcast. always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, if I'd have known you had FIFA, the last time I was over, oh, <laughs> it would have been lights out. Would have been lights out. Well, the thing is, like, I'm not. You know, I I didn't. Uh, well, you're a little older than me, so it was probably even a weirder situation. But I, my parents didn't let me have video game systems when I was a kid, um, uh. so I'm like permanently handicapped um so people who are like legitimate gamers like it's no fun for e for either of us to play a game like fifa so my suspicion is like fifa is actually one of the things i'm probably best at but my suspicion is if you're like really playing all the time it probably would be a blowout that neither of us would, would enjoy <laughs> yeah i'm not a gamer i just i just play fifa right you know what I mean? right <laughs> that adds up i mean listen i will say like Playing FIFA this year as I've really – what word should I use here? D dived in, dove in, as I have really divin in to following Chelsea and the EPL more more closely and, and like, watching every week. Um, it has – it's been, like, a nice companion, and it's a helpful sort of learning tool to a degree. Yeah, it's also it's it's kind of more fun when you're when your team is is where sort of Chelsea is right now because you can, I mean, if you're playing like a you know a season or doing like right. the major career mode, like you can then actually build them into good, which is always fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I'm I like to do the like build my you know play my character career. Uh, so you know I'm playing as Griffin Kolsky. I'm a I'm a national team player. Um, and I'm a star. Uh attacking midfielder for chelsea oh yeah you know I've always, i always do the manager thing i never really tried to play as one single player 
Um, oh. Well, it's cool because in that in that mode, you can choose every game whether to play just as your guy in like a single focus mode or to play as the team. You know, you can always gotcha. just play as the whole team. Um, but anyway, uh, that's probably enough FIFA. I can, now that we're here though, can can you let me vent about my my EPL team, the sure. Chelsea Blues, right now? Because, <clears throat> like, listen. I obviously I'm a little bit of a Johnny come lately, although I will I will say like I purchased my first Chelsea gear in like 2004. Like I while I haven't followed them closely until a little bit last year and really this year, like I've been vaguely aware of the stars and the level of success for, you know, 15 years. Um, So I feel like I'm I'm not a bona fide uh, EPL fan, but I have I have a little bit of like attachment to Chelsea. It's not just something I randomly picked this year. Um, anyway, the the I say all that just to say that like this situation that the the squad is in right now, which I would describe as like somewhat appropriately incredibly high level soccer blue balls. Um, while also simultaneously spending a record amount of money on players who I quite enjoy. And that is the frustrating thing is like, I, these, these, the teams that are, are playing, you know, over the last month since the world cup are, are eight or nine players that I am thrilled about. And two or three that are infuriatingly mucking the whole thing up. But nevertheless, even with those two or three mucking it up, it's it's shocking the inability of this team to finish in the opponent's net. Like, they, they, there's so much good possession. There are so many good attacking buildups. And not nearly enough good attempts and a shocking... <laughs> paltry of scores. It is just so deeply unsatisfying to watch. <laughs> <laughs> like I, an endless of wingbacks on top of all that. Um, well, I mean, they, like if Mark Kukurea's hair catches on fire tomorrow, I'll only be a little bit sad, just because <laughs> that's unfortunate to happen to anybody. Um, but like, it's it, it's Kukurea, Zh, just. Especially those two, but the, you know a couple other further down the roster who are just like it seems like they interrupt every build up they're a part of, and Ziyech it's particularly frustrating because he generally gets the ball in spectacular spots. <laughs> right, and, and then you watch him at the World Cup, and he's like, awesome. "Yes," and you're like, "He's I, exceptional at the World Cup," and yeah, right yeah. back to giving away opportunity after opportunity in blue. It is, it's, it's, it's enough to drive you insane. And so effectively what I've done this year in adding Chelsea to my, you know, deep, actually like locked in fandom is I have, you know, infuriated myself once or twice a week, every week, additionally in sports for no good reason. (laughs) Like I, I just fucking made it through bears season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like you can understand as a non-Chelsea fan, all of this is completely hilarious. Of course, especially with your team hanging out at the top of the table all season. So you can go go screw. 
But it's not just like, oh, well, my team's doing good and your team's doing bad. It's it's a little bit more. Oh, it's the spending and the yeah. But listen, it's the spending but, is basically what it is. Okay, and, but have and, you watched? And going from you know a Russian oligarch who was outspending the league and not caring about whether his team was making any money because he just wanted to win stuff and doing that and and sort of that frustration to to then the team changing hands to this American owner who is spending money at the same rate, but just seemingly with no idea. Uh, of what he's doing or any joined up level well, and thought between the acquisitions that they're making. <laughs> hold on though. See, or I that the manager's requesting. I don't, I don't, that becomes very funny. I have not followed the palace intrigue in terms of like, is, is Potter upset about like, is he, did he want something else? Right. But I, I, I will say like, I like every investment they made. They bought some good players. There's no but, doubt about that. I mean, Mudrick you know, that's, and that's the other part of it, right? Is that you know, I mean, they aced, they aced my team out for a couple of guys, including one obviously that we were, you know, we were pursuing Mudrick, and Mudrick was likewise pursuing us. Yes, uh, for for several weeks there. So, well, I, what I have learned in the several weeks that he's been a member of the Chelsea team is that he he is uh, he's active um, both on and off the pitch. Like the guy, the guy already is in a social media controversy where he liked a tweet dissing one of his teammates who uh, like, it's the guy we just talked about getting set on fire. So like, I, it's not that I disagree. You with him. It's just, it's just not the best way to ingratiate yourself to your new teammates. Then again, like maybe it is to the rest of the team. Um, but he's a, a thrilling player to watch on the pitch. And, by the way, Enzo, I think, you know, has a chance to be a, a decade-long stalwart on this team. He's he's awesome to watch. I think well, the it would be weird if you spent more than all of La Liga put together and got no good players no, out of I, it. I, I understand <laughs> that, but but even beyond that, like the smaller signings, like Badiashil and Maduke, like there are. A lot of exciting, mostly extremely young players on this this squad right now, which is a fun thing to watch. It's just they do not have a finisher. They don't. Ha if they have anyone, it's Joao Felix, who like hit the crossbar twice against <laughs> against Dortmund, which was infuriating. Um, but you know, they got Obama Yang sitting on the bench, and I just wonder if he just isn't up for yeah. Premier League anymore at this point. Well, that could get ugly at yeah. some point. Well, I mean, I guess I would bet that behind the scenes it already has. Um, and if they're not going to play him, there's just not that guy. Like, you know what's ridiculous? This is a, a thought I had recently. Um, I do think Pulisic would help because he is a good finisher, if not one of the people I'm about to talk about. But what this team really needs, hilariously is the one thing that Team USA soccer has had almost my entire life, which is a dude with a ridiculous nose for the goal. <laughs> like, Brian McBride would would be huge for Chelsea right now, which is a ridiculous thing to say. But really, like, Clint Dempsey would help this team incredibly. Like, a prime Clint Dempsey, who doesn't have a ton of skill, you know, barely was a notable player in the Premier League in his own time, but just has that, there's that thing. There's that soccer thing. There are dudes with that sixth sense for the goal, and there's nobody like that on this team, and the result is they never score. Never. 
It's true they never scored. Maybe maybe need to bring Giroud back. That'd be fun. I um, mean, honestly, like that's the thing. They don't friggin' need an Mbappe or a or a Cristiano Ronaldo level scorer. They just need somebody to poke it in at the end of the play. Like, the play yeah. is there, and nobody can poke it the hell in. It's infuriating. A penalty box poacher, as they say. That's right. Uh, We've gone way too long on <laughs> soccer. On Chelsea, yeah. I didn't see that coming. I guess. Well, I have nowhere to vent this. No one in my house cares. <laughs> nobody in the sports radio world cares. Like, it's just me yelling at the TV screen and my son wondering what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I think in some ways those like uh, you know eighth, ninth place seasons uh, can be rewarding in their own way because they do give you a lot of opportunity to vent and and identify things that are wrong. Well, you know? and and again in in this mode where it yeah it's an, it's gonna be they're gonna they're not gonna be top four certainly and they're probably not even gonna be like top six or seven, but they're in a clear rebuild, right? And I I like the players that they're bringing in to rebuild around, so that makes it a very positive experience in a lot of ways too. Uh, like I'm I'm later the money's gonna win, you know what I mean? So yeah, kinda, and like, it's like Manchester United, like you know they they just kept spending, and eventually they found a coach, and now and now they're you know they look like they're they're gonna be in the mix. So I don't think Graham Potter's bad, by the way. Like I mostly like the lineups he's putting out there other than Ziyech and Kukurea, um, who, I don't know. I, I think he is struggling like anyone watching to try to think about who's going to be the guy that sort of breaks the wall over the goal mouth down. Um, and after the world cup, it seemed like Ziyech could have been that guy, but no, sir. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of fumbling around and changing lineups until he figures it out. So. Yeah, but if you've watched, man, there are so many exciting players under 24 on this roster, and that that's a fun thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, that's sort of the way that I've been feeling about Arsenal for the last uh, two-ish years, right. at least. Anyway. And now I wonder, though, if uh, – fruition. I wonder if Graham still, Potter still – Yeah, I, I wonder if Graham Potter, though, gets the uh, <laughs> the rope that a former – uh, team superstar got yeah uh, almost certainly won. <laughs> <laughs> he almost certainly won. <laughs> so um, that, that's that. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the challenge, man. We got it. We got a new challenge champ. Um, and uh, boy, did it take a while. <laughs> I, Three episodes, but in the end, worth it, right? I actually thought, like, we complained about how they worked their way up to this final episode. But I actually think that this final episode was about as good of a, an episode of the challenge as has ever happened. I really did. Oh, wow. That's, that's strong praise there. I mean, I just thought on every level. Uh, they're in a final. There was this spectacular corn maze, cornfield elimination zone thing. They are at the end of a 100-hour final. There were some incredible moments in the physical action and some incredible ITM moments. I just thought top to bottom, like, I don't know. There's so many episodes of this show over the last 20 years that you and I have both watched. It's hard to say exactly what 
you know, wh- one of the top ten episodes. But right. but it, it's just hard for me to imagine one hitting much better than this one did for me. And part of that is that the team I said watch out for from the very beginning, the team that I continued to say I thought was as good as any when you were overrating Fessy, um, got they got their win. My girl Tori is a champ. As she's always been in the hearts and minds of many, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. Just, I'm just gonna come back to that. I don't For think I overrated Fessy. You did. I don't think I, I don't think I overrated Fessy. I don't. Know. I, I I think Fessy caught a he caught he caught one event. He caught what if he, he caught one elimination that was just terrible for him. That's it. Well, I I it's, continue it's, to believe he would he still would have lost in the final, but that's neither here nor there at this point because he didn't even get there. So. I that's I will, that, I will give you the uh, the eating challenges would have been real tough for him. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah. That I'll give. Um, and there yes. were two. So. Yes. Um, and that that Cinderblock puzzle would have been real tough for him too. Like I I think Dorian Dorian Tevin I think Tori and Tevin were the most well rounded team from the very beginning, and I think that more than anything is the thing that played out in their advantage in the long run. Were they the, they may not have been the best team in as many categories as some of the other good teams, but they were the team with the best, you know, across the board, the least obvious weaknesses. And ultimately I think that's what won it for them. Like they lost the eating challenge. Sure. They lost the like, you know, rod pole portion of that final elimination, but their consistency across the board being at least pretty good, I think is what ultimately let them, you know, be in the lead for the majority of the final and then ultimately win. I actually, I feel differently um, in terms of what did it for them. I mean, I think what did it for them they, like I, I agree with you that they they are a very well rounded team that that aren't, aren't particularly weak at anything, um, which I think helps. But I think what won it for them was two things. One, I think that their communication was the the best maybe of any of these teams. Um, certainly any of these teams, but any of the teams in the in the entire competition, um, which I think helped a lot. And then I think uh, the puzzles. I just think it's straight. You know what I mean? Like they're uh, having a puzzle whiz. In a final, with a couple big puzzles in it, yeah. like I think really, really mattered. And clearly, that's you know, if you're if we're talking about this episode in terms of you know great episodes and in great finals, the one thing I would say was missing is that the puzzle, you know, the Cinderblock puzzle pretty much ended the suspense, right? Like, well, uh, yeah, I mean, but I think they, I think they handled that well from like an editorial standpoint of programming the episode. Like it became a celebration for Devin and Tori from a TV standpoint. Once it was clear, the puzzle wasn't going to happen for Johnny and Nani. And, and I would say you're, I mean, and they were on it early. Devin and Tori were on it early, by the way. And they're like, Oh, those guys are screwed. (laughs) Yes. Well, and puzzles ultimately broke Johnny and Nani, but, Devin and Tori outran them at every turn. I think they out out carried them at the tire competition. Like, I don't know, man. They really across the board were exceptional. The 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 slingshot Devin was amazing at. 
Um, so I, I see what you're saying. And, and yes, like we talked a little bit about this from like a general standpoint last week, right? Where there's almost always going to be something that's kind of that equalizer in the final moments. And in this case, it was a puzzle and it equalized Johnny and Nani right out of the game. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be the maze. Was going yeah. to be the equalizer, but it didn't really play out that way. No, and and I've listened to some podcasts uh, since watching the episode, and um, they made that look even closer than it was. Like Devin had that line, which was a good one, not not the best of the week, but a good one where he was like, uh, "If it's any consolation, we've been here a while." <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, like they really were waiting there for like five or ten minutes at least. Um, so it was not even as close as they kind of made it look like, and you could tell they kept showing the same shot of Devin and Tori turning a corner. Cause it was like the, <laughs> the only corner they had to turn. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it like, I, I've gotten to the point where I picked that stuff up pretty well right away. And it's like, well, they're doing this thing and they're showing the same shot over and over again, but I'm pretty sure Devin and Tori won this portion by a mile. Um, and that's the thing, like the, the running was an advantage too. So, I don't know, like... Well, but by the end, they were the only team that wasn't carrying a big injury. That's right. That's so true. So they're going to have a pretty pretty good running advantage. <laughs> yeah, but they ran so. but they ran better than everybody at the beginning, too, before Nani heard it. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, you know, look, I... Everyone deserved to be there. It was a thrilling final, top to bottom, I thought. Um, I, what did you think of the cash giveaway? Um, I mean, I thought it was really nice. Yeah. Um, you know, I think CT doing it last year took a little bit of the, some of the pop out of it. You know what I mean? Right. In some ways it's more impressive, obviously, because as TJ pointed out, it's like, I gave them a choice. You guys are just doing this. Um, yeah, but I did think it was appropriate. Were you doing the math of going like. It's a lot. Times six. <laughs> it's a large portion. Like if you, is, I, what it's a I did. Good amount. It's it's uh, it's about twenty five percent right of the prize. So, yeah, I think I think more, because uh, the way I, well, no, you're right, a little less. Uh, here's how I thought about it. Right, if they each get five hundred k and they each have to give three people thirty eight k, that's like one sixteen out of their five hundred that they're yeah. giving away. Or I'm sorry, yeah. one fourteen, one fourteen. Um. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's, yeah, it's a lot. you know, it's it's more than twenty percent. So you're uh you're being real nice. Real, real I hope, nice. I hope they're doing it before taxes. That's that's the biggest thing. Yeah, it's you're definitely that's definitely a pre tax. <laughs> definitely. You're making MTV cut the check. You're not yeah. you're not depositing it and cutting your own check. No way. For sure. Uh but I did I look, I thought it was a great move and particularly obviously there's some longtime friends in this group and and, uh, and, and I everybody agreed. deserved it. That's you right. Know what I, mean? I agreed with the notion that like Olivia earned that. <laughs> Even if it's just covering hospital bills for a smashed up face. <laughs> she earned well, well, see, for her she got hurt in Argentina, right? She probably had to pay for any of that medical care. Um She said on the podcast that she flew home to get surgery, oh, really? which would mean uh. And this is incredible, if true, that she left the first day of the final, flew back to the United States, had face surgery. And flew, came back? Came back, and they were still in the final. Yeah, that's wild. 
<laughs> that's, that's correct. That's that seems impossible. It does so. seem impossible, but yeah. who knows? These are people who are on TV, so I'm sure they get better medical care than the rest of us. I would imagine that she stayed for a couple of days, did the thing, and then went back and got the surgery. That would be my my guess. Right, but I thought she said she had already had surgery on the show. Like she said something about surgery, and maybe I misheard. And she was saying she was gonna need surgery. Um, which would probably make more sense, but it just I, yeah, because you're just no. I don't know. If there's a need to get that surgery immediately either. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, there was because her orbital bone was broken, among other things. Five places she said her face was broken. Well, it was it was she 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 elaborated on a podcast. It was nose, like the bridge of her nose, her orbital bone, and multiple skull fractures. Yeah, but I don't. You're not. Right, like broken bones, you don't really surgically repair, right? So, um, well, I think you might if they're really smashed or if they are like uh, dislocated in some way, you know. Yeah, and I think either when way, you, hell, when it when your eye area gets smashed up like that, I think yeah. they they often do surgery just to make sure everything's safe in there. Um. So, uh, who? So does this? I, I think we should maybe talk about legacy a little bit here with two first-time champs. Um, I mean, I I think it's huge for both of them to to join that circle. You know, and what I, I think, think we should do. Them, it Sorry. does change the way you have to think of them as competitors, right? Uh, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for both of them coming in. It probably changes the way you think of Devin. It's definitely going to make him more obnoxious, which I think is hilarious. Um, Tori to me again has always been a champ level competitor. It's it was always just a matter of time for her in my book. So I'm neither surprised nor does it really change my view of her. But I am excited for her and happy as a fan of hers that she has that notch in her belt. So that's cool. Um, but like coming into any as proven by my uh, faith in them this season, like coming into any season, I am favoring Tori as high as just about any female competitor in the game but you could make a case right like coming into a season prior to this right that there isn't a huge difference between tori and say kayla right like they're i would not have in a lot of challenges i would not have said that tend to get pretty far never won the whole thing so no kayla to me has been good tori is great um see but i i think now you say that well, and but to me, true. right now, you're doing the thing where, like, before Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl, you're being like, well, like, has he even gotten any further in the playoffs than Josh McCown or whatever? Um, I, I don't – I just don't see them as equal competitors. Like, they're just clearly different level of physical competitors to me. Um, well, yeah, sure, they have different strengths, but I don't know that that no. makes them different level of competitors. That doesn't make them different level of competitors. I am saying I see them as different level of competitors. Tori is just better at everything, I think, than Kayla. There's not one thing that I think Kayla is better than Tori at. Um, I would have said, you know, that's why I viewed her as like a championship. I, I think the one person I'd compare it to is Casey before this. And I think this is the thing that has elevated her over Casey is she now has the championship. That Casey doesn't. Casey um, has a championship. What are you talking about? What? Casey has a championship. When? She won. Um, uh, Spies, Lies, and Allies. The oh, one she won last <laughs> season. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So I guess what I meant to say <laughs> is that Casey 
reached that level with her championship last year that Tori has now joined her on. But like before last season, though, that's the comparison I would have made. Uh, mm. You know, lady competitors I mean, that are dominant and and to me clearly favored. I think in the almost better. Like, I think the better, more flattering comparison uh, uh, than uh, than Casey would be Cam. Okay, great. That's a good one. Uh, you that's, know, because to me, when you look at Casey, right, like she's done four seasons, right? This is the first one where she didn't make a final. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like she's she's been pretty dominant. You know Tori what I mean? Was, 18 Tori daily was wins second last seasons. year, though. So yeah, right, well, right. But Tori, Tori has had plenty of seasons where she didn't make the final, right? I so, mean, not. I wouldn't say plenty. Let's. Uh, we should look. I'm. I'm just about to. I'm just about to pull her up. Hold on. Uh, uh, she's been on. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons. Twenty four wins in nine seasons. Uh, and, and three, three finals. finals. Four finals. Four, yeah. One counts. So I mean, five. basically but half also, the time. That means three finals that she wasn't in, right? So yeah, but that's still. <laughs> That's, Look, that's, I'm not saying it's not impressive. I'm just saying, like, Casey has been a prime contender in every show that she's been on. And I don't think you can say quite the same for Tori. I mean, I don't know. I guess. I guess you're right. She has been super successful, though. And what'd you say? 15 wins for Casey in four years and 24? 18. Or? 18 and 24. In uh, nine for... Uh, it's Tori. not nine. It's four, One, two, sorry, seven. seven, seven yeah. yes. So it's not that different in terms of overall success level. Yes, Casey has a higher percentage of finals, but like four finals in seven seasons means you are more than half the time in the final. And you know, I don't know. Whatever that. This All is I'm saying is hairs. It, it, it took. It took. I mean, um, you know, this is mean but factual. It took Casey carried around a, a whole sack of luggage this season for her not to make the final, right? <laughs> yeah, it did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and she practically, <laughs> basically practically made it anyway. Right, um, she almost got there anyway. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, you're right. But, like, I'm not sure Tori would not have been just as successful dragging Kenny around all season. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, that's beside the point. Well, the see, point well is, guess what? Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but we've got another season coming up with both of them in it. That's right. So. <laughs> That's right. We'll see it again <laughs> soon. And, continue. <laughs> and and it's a season where I think the overall level of competition is even higher than it was this year somehow, um, which is pretty – or this season, which is pretty spectacular. Um, for Devin, to me, is kind of the bigger story here in terms of getting their first win because – First of all, I think this fo- this completely levels him up from like a historical challenge legacy standpoint. Um, second, it, of it all- does uh, it, it inarguably levels him up. It's just I think he, you know, I think there's stiffer competition on the men's side in terms of like there's some guys ahead of him, right? Oh, for sure, you know for sure. I mean? No, it doesn't make him like the favorite to win the next challenge. Again, that's why to me this is bigger for him than it is for Tori. Is like. I think this adds to the respect level he'll get, which honestly, I think having a high level of respect from the house going into a season helps keep you around, at least for the first few weeks. Sometimes. Um, I think I think this, I could see Devin being more of a target. I don't now. know, though, because everybody's he's always been sort of a target because he's 
can be difficult. But but here's I mean, the bigger he's point. Lalo's right. He's had some get along with everyone seasons too. You well, know now I mean? he has, and I think that's the bigger point. Is Tori has refined some things as a player. She's obviously better at puzzles than she was. Like she probably has better endurance than when she first started. But like to me, she entered the game as a as as one of the more physically elite players on on the women's side. Devin entered the game as one of the, you know, physical bottom dwellers on the men's side. And I think he has really worked himself at least into the middle of the pack, which when you pair that with his, you know, top of the line mental and social game makes him a formidable competitor in a way that I don't think he was in past seasons. So I think we've seen a lot of growth from him as a competitor that led to this point. I think that's true. And look, I mean, I think the obvious sort of comparison for, for Devin legacy-wise is Wes, right? Um, yes. Well, and he's sort of a protege of Wes's, so it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so I think that is the – you know, I think Wes still has a physical edge on Devin as, as much as Devin's improved, and I think that's going to be the um, – Well, time – Comes for us all, my friend. <laughs> exactly. And that may not still be true. But I mean, you know, if we're talking prime Wes, you know yeah. what I mean? No, like, honestly, I think it's that's still. That's the thing is, can Devin's endurance game continue to grow? Yep. Uh, you know what I mean? So that and he, he can, can get he can stronger. Um, right. But I will say, like, he has talked about specifically leveling up his workout regimen over the last year or two. And including, like, making it a very challenge-specific thing. Like, he told a story about he brings little pocket tangrams to the gym. And in between, like, parts of his workout, he'll just sit down and do a tangram. Like, he is really, he is preparing himself physically for the challenge in ways that I don't think a ton of people do. Yeah. Well, and I, I, that, that I would expect from a guy like him because I think right. he's really smart about the game. You know what I mean? Uh, in, in terms of approach, in terms of identifying strategy, in terms of the social aspect, all of those things, I think he's just he's, he sees it really well. And, um, you know, I think that that is, to me, the most important skill you can have in the game. Right. Like, I mean, I think. Well, it's that as, the... as good as bananas is of weird stuff. It's his ability to see the game and understand who's trying to do what that generally carries him through these things. I think it's. It's that, and then it's yeah. It it it's the ability to push through when a lot of people would quit. Those are the two things that I think are the most valuable. Is how do you see the game, and how willing are you to like push through? Yep, yeah, I, I think that's because I mean, even like I think this episode in many ways was a great insight into who Anissa is as a person and competitor in this game. Right. And unfortunately, that is probably not someone who wins. But it is someone who is around for a long time, both in general over time and also on any given season, because she does not quit. And even when she is hurt and down in a scenario where it's almost impossible for her to achieve victory, she is going to push through until it's impossible. Yeah, but I, you know, I would almost say that. But we, you know, when you look at like the way that Devin and Tori approached this final, there were some times where they're like, "We're not going to work that hard here. We don't need to work that hard here," and 
and yet, right, like there was never they were always running a good pace. You yep. know what I mean, right? Like so, I think that they handled that stuff almost perfectly. You know what uh, I mean? They yeah, listen, tried really hard when they need to and didn't when they didn't. I'm not saying Anissa is the best, very clearly. I'm saying this episode was a nice microcosm of her career in general. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. it's hard to come away. Like, it's oddly enough in an, in an episode where other people were clearly winning things. Like, she could almost be the MVP. Like, it was a, yeah. uh, you know, a, it, I don't want a heroic strong word, but an incredible performance from her. You and know vintage, what I mean? Vintage Anissa, Anissa, man. Vintage stuff. Um, and By I the just, way, I, not enough's going to be made of this, <laughs> but like, th- th- this is only an issue because Nani was so terrible at this game. <laughs> like, that's right. Like, she gave away, just gave away two points that would have made this not close at all. Right. Well, and the so, first one you can almost understand. It's emotions are heightened, things are happening fast. But to make the same mistake twice of just. Because as Johnny kept yelling at her, once you get inside the inner circle, just stop. Stop (laughs) and place the ball delicately into the basket. And she just, like the first time, I'll give it to you. The second time, there's no excuse Well, and that was a real change, right? It didn't used to be just that it's over when you get in the circle, right? No, that's new. Yeah. So she just, I think exactly what you said makes sense. But man, the second time. I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing, Nani? Yeah, I guess that's just fatigue, right? Like, that's I think just so. Mental fatigue. I think it's you know? absolutely <laughs> mental fatigue because her response when Johnny was like, just stop, was not like, I hate you. I mean, it kind of was, but it was just, I know. Like, she, <laughs> she knew somewhere in her brain what she was supposed to do, and her body just did not listen, which... You know, after uh, you know ninety hours of running around, I, I guess that can happen. Yeah, particularly obviously, it sounded like she was really going through it with the knee too. So yeah, I mean, look, man, I think people were predictably bruised and battered by the time they got to the final elimination. And and again, like I just thought, top to bottom, this was an awesome episode. Yeah, well, good for good for the team for continuing to up the stakes. On these finals. Yes. This was an Um, incredible final. I mean, it really was. That whole Corn Maze Arena situation was one of the most spectacular things we've ever seen on this show, which is saying a lot. Yeah. I got a feeling you're going to see something like that again. Yeah. Um, Um, By the way, I think think we should do some burns of the week or lines of the week for for our our, – I had some really good ones. You did? All right. I, I don't know if any I, – I mean, I guess one of them is burn-ish. But line of the week, I have some tremendous lines, and I, I really struggled to choose my favorite. So I'm going to build up to it. I have, I have three honorable mentions. Um, one, since we just talked about Nani, was TJ saying – I think it was TJ. I didn't write down who said it for some reason. But it was TJ or whoever saying – this is balls in, not balls out. <laughs> Which is just as like stupid and probably unnecessarily mean, but really made me laugh in the moment as Nani was fumbling her way around the arena. Um, when Nani and Johnny started yelling at each other at one point, Devin in an ITM said, get the divorce, file the papers. It's not going to work. The writing is on the wall. 
yeah, that was, that was a good one, actually. <laughs> and then I really enjoyed the uh, we're like the Oprah Winfrey of thirty eight thousand dollars at the end. You get thirty eight thousand dollars, and you get thirty eight thousand dollars. And then look he goes, "Look under your chair." Yes, yeah, <laughs> that I thought was spectacular. But my line of the week, I could not get past Tori. Just like right as with TJ standing in front of them, they're like waiting for another team to get there, standing in their spot for television, and it's just a perfect shot of Tori and she looks at TJ and goes I'm gonna fart makes a face and then goes oh I peed yes and you have stumbled upon my line of the week which was not a line at all but was in fact the face the look <laughs> that TJ gave her after yes. she said, I just peed <laughs> which was <laughs> which if the, you would subtitle that look the subtitle would be are you fucking kidding me <laughs> <laughs> it was so good yes that was my line of the week not a line at all uh but man tj it's classic tj <laughs> classic tj so many times in this episode um also another good line that i i didn't mention but doesn't quite rise to that level from Tori was the when they woke up on I think the not the last day but the next to last day and she just is looking like a little ragged and kind of (laughs) sleepy and she just looks dead in the camera and goes we've been here for more than 60 hours ouch (laughs) just like a very sincere ouch that really (laughs) broke me up (laughs) <laughs> um yeah it was uh it was it was a hell of an episode and and collectively a hell of a final uh yeah i again i think maybe two episodes might have done the trick in terms of editing all this together i think they could have uh, trimmed some fat on the previous two or they could have gone more you know but like it they just they they got here in a weird way but i really did think this you know whatever without commercials, hour of television was pretty exceptionally executed. Uh, yeah, it sure was. Kudos, kudos to the team. It was a hell of a season. And we got a new season. A m- less than a month year. away now. In less than a month. Uh, so I feel like we should mention this because the Challenge World Championship is pretty stacked. So we knew... Um, that obviously that Danny and Sarah who uh, won the challenge USA season, a couple that they would be in it and that there would be some uh, winners from around the world that would be in it. I did not know that they were then filling out the game with a stacked list of legends. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think there's a little bit of an all-stars vibe here. Like it seems like a lot of these guys are older, but man, we've got some good players in this game. It's I, I do remember them saying like some challenge legends would be involved, but uh, you know, between that and the All Stars four uh announcement for, for the cast, um it's <laughs> it's unbelievable. 
Yeah. Like between okay. these two shows, it seems like almost all of the best challengers of all time are there, and there are very few weak spots. If we're yeah, every it means you know, there's no CT, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if we'll um, ever see CT again. Um, yeah, who knows? It's, it's an open question with him. But um, but but besides him, and look, uh, the All Stars forecast is weaker than the Challenge World Championship or whatever. Um, but just in general, a lot of the true MVPs historically, and and in particular, like. I think some of the strongest casts of women we've ever seen. Yeah. All right. So if you're counting all star seasons as wins, you know, as, as full seasons. Yeah. You've got Amber. So one, she's a one time champ. Uh, Darrell, four time champ. Yep. Uh, Jody, two time champ. Bananas, seven time champ. Joanna, two time champ. Jordan, one time champ. Wes, wait, whoa, three whoa, time whoa. Ch- what? Jordan's a three-time champ, isn't he? Yeah, that's what I said. Three-time champ. You said one time, but go ahead. No, I said three-time. You said three-time for Wes. I think Jordan is a three-time champ. Is he not? Yeah, Jordan. I said Jordan is a three-time champ. All right, we'll we'll or play the tape back. Regardless, three-time <laughs> champ. Jordan's a three-time champ. We agree. Yes. Uh, Casey, one-time champ. Wes, three-time champ, and yes, two-time champ. Pretty spectacular. Uh, Oh, I left out Tori because Tori's a champ now too. Tori now a one-time uh, champ. Yeah, and then on top of that, Kellyanne, hell of a hell of a female player. Yes, Nelson, Naya. Yep. The return of Theo. Yep. Um, Did you mention John A? Uh, for those of you who don't know, Theo was a, uh, a a War of the Worlds contestant who was a really good athlete, and then in a freak accident lost an eye. Right. Yes. We haven't seen him since. Correct. Um, was a was a not only a strong challenge competitor was a British Olympian. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about. I forgot he was an Olympian. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you mention John A? I did. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's stacked, man. It's absolutely stacked. And like some of those, you know, championship numbers, like Jody, two time champ, sure, but she was like probably probably owned the the sort of belt for best female challenger of all time for a while don't you think for a while you know in the early days of the challenge though yes you know but she was a standout physical competitor is all i'm saying yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely no joke uh and it's been good in all stars as well so um there are uh you know and i would say that the folks that they're bringing from the show right from the the Challenge USA season, it's, you know, it's Danny and Ben on the men's side yep. and Justine and Sarah on the women's side. Like, those are four of the best players, right? Yep, so, yep, yep. Um, and so, I'm a little surprised Tyson isn't doing it, but I'm also okay with it. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing that was Tyson's choice not to do it. Just at least yes. from, as I understand, he's talked a little shit since he left the show. So I don't. I know. am also guessing that, or maybe just like a, um, uh, you know, overall creative differences. Uh, and then we've seen. I, say, I have to notice that one of the Australian winners is named Kiki. So it's going to be That's weird for funny. Danny to have another Kiki on the show. Danny's in a weird <laughs> spot, man. Weird spot for Danny. Uh, I, I really hope we get more uh, Kiki content um, from Danny. <laughs> I, I will say that. Uh, what if Danny has an affair with Kiki? That would be super weird. 
<laughs> that would be very funny. Um, so, and then there's four hosts. So it'll be interesting to see TJ share the ball a little bit on this one. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing I'm the least excited about. <laughs> me me <Right>? too. <laughs> Although, you know, I feel like UK host has a lot of potential. You know what I mean? Like, those Brits are good at hosting things, so who knows? Okay. Sure. <laughs> I guess. But also, like, I don't know, man. Um <sighs> But uh, TJ's enough for me, okay? Yeah, well, look, look, you know, is I almost wonder in a show where there's four hosts, he's not going to be able to call it his final, right? Well, I don't know, right? Like, if it's not TJ's final, is it even a challenge? And then <laughs> I would add to that, like, any minute, my sense is any minute of another host on screen is one less minute of TJ on screen, which to me is a net negative in almost every situation. So we'll see how it goes. But that's not something I'm excited about. That said, like Challenge All-Stars 4 is going to be right on its heels, and I think we'll get plenty of TJ there. So I'll survive. Yeah, TJ ain't going anywhere. So it's no. not like it's like a no. threat to his crown. I think he's so, just at this point, It's he's got to delegate a little bit because he's got a lot to do. Um. All right, and then Challenge All-Stars 4, when does that start? Can we figure that out? There's no official release, but it, it is likely to be after Challenge uh, World Championship. They are both on Paramount, so. Oh, we'll yeah, see. yeah, they probably won't both run them at the same time. Probably so. not. But a lot more challenge in our lives. I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, I was looking at the at the ratings for the show the other day um and it is the highest rated show on mtv pretty consistently so um yeah. which isn't saying a ton but it's also one of the highest rated shows on its night every week so um it's good stuff yeah yeah so i think uh i think you're gonna see the universe is growing yeah yeah um all right so looking back over this season uh is there is there any real um like would you is there anyone other than than Devin or Tory that you would name MVP? No, I don't think you can. Um unless you I guess you could go with Olivia or Horacio if you really wanted I, to. Yes, yeah, I think you I think there's a real case for Horacio. Yeah. Uh, he was unbelievable. Know, to me it sort of depends on it's almost like the sports thing where it's like well, what's your definition? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, do you have to be on the winning team to be an MVP, right. or, or if is you it did the best, the most. most outstanding individual performer? Because I think if you're if you're going on that qualification, it was Horacio, right? Yeah, because um, it it would be hard to pick between Tori and Devin as well, right? Um, I think if I had to pick it for me, it's Tori because you know I talked about the well-roundedness. I think she is maybe the most well-rounded female competitor on the show, uh, you know, all due respect to Casey. Um, but also for me in almost any like matchup, if you're matching up the teams, you know, two V two, it's Tori's advantage over the other woman that gives 
Devin and Tory their biggest edge. And particularly in the final. Um, I think it would have been more interesting if Olivia and Horacio had survived because those two teams would have been very evenly matched. Uh, but when you look at the Banani and Jordan and Anissa teams, it's Tori's clear advantage over those women that made Devin and Tori the favorites for me and, and ultimately got them the win. So if I had to pick one person, I would pick the one and only Tori deal. Tori, the real deal. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like you've got you've got some serious Tory love going right. There, Always man. have, man. Uh, Always have. Since she first showed up on the scene, I've been a Tory stan, and I'm not going anywhere. I just <laughs> it's it, because I really think she's as good as anyone in the game at at playing the game. But I also just love her personality. I think she is genuine and like decent as a human being and funny and. Just like I feel like she'd be super cool to sit and have a beer with. Yeah, well, look, I can't, I can't say a bad word about her. I, you know, I, I mean, if I'm gonna nitpick, I, I don't think she was always at her best uh, emotionally this season. But um, no, but you know, those were some trying circumstances, and that's yeah. kidding. That, that's part of life. So I'm not like, I, those are not real complaints. Those those are nitpicks, like I said. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, she's. She seems like a great person and a fantastic competitor, and obviously this is a huge season. It's a huge season for her and a huge season for you as a Tory stand. That's and correct. And I, so. I, I will say, though, like if you, if you gave me, all right, but let's pick a most outstanding player, and certainly if there was like a breakout player award, Horacio is the clear winner because what he did winning five eliminations – really showing himself in in the beginnings of a final to be as good as any competitor on the field and just his attitude through the whole thing um uh, you can't look you can't leave out the bike scene and and the sexiest <laughs> man we've seen on this show in a while so he's getting it done in all arenas uh, the only thing he's not good at is lying um, but that's okay. I can I can get behind a player like that. So yeah, I, he also seems to be sort of clumsy in love too, which I think is sort of endearing, right? Yep, he's <laughs> he's he's an endearing character, and and I don't like. For me, Olivia and Horacio should both be central parts of the challenge universe moving forward. We'll see what happens. I think you could make a case that Norris had one of the great rookie seasons in the history of the show, and the fact that she's not even reasonably in contention for breakout of the year tells you everything you need to know. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. So no, that's uh, I, I think in in most seasons all time she would have been the rookie of the year with her performance, and yet she's not top two. Right. Yeah. So uh, so kudos to Horacio and Olivia. Um, and really doing it Tur Turbo's rookie season, right? Is the only thing that you could say that maybe rivals it. I guess some of the, some of those Brits get Brit guys like Joss and Rogan had pretty good rookie seasons. Well, not Rogan. He fell out. In his oh, right. No, Rogan, Ro you're right. Rogan crashed out in the first challenge. Yeah. They, they came back in the second one. Yeah. I always right. forget that. No, Joss did though. You're right. But for me, like Jenny, right. Didn't Jenny have a pretty, pretty Jenny strong might've won. I, I think Jenny and Turbo won. Um, but I don't know. They were both like brute force people that I, I even if they I think Jenny is back. Right. We talked about this, but he is an alternate on this world championship okay. season. I, I, I lost the list. I'm going to see if I can find it. The 
the list of alter- alternates is is also stacked. excellent. Um, <laughs> Inclu- but including Devin, Devin's an alternate on this season. Yeah, as good as Jenny and Turbo were in certain ways, I do feel like, um, certainly with regard to Turbo, like Olivia and Horacio get the show better and are probably better long-term players and better TV characters. Yeah, well, look, we're going to find out um, this week, uh, I think, when when the reunion, but it, it feels like the reunion is not going to be a good experience for Turbo, and I don't know how much, I don't know like, our chances of seeing Turbo again, how strong well, they are. do you want to? Because I don't. I feel like he, I, you know, once bitten, twice shy. Like, he's... He had he has so clearly failed to get the show and made for poor television over the last couple appearances that I don't need him back. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. It's it's hard for me to say that because I think he was so good in that rookie season, not just from a like game standpoint where he killed, but like no, he was super entertaining. It, yeah, it was entertaining to watch him kind of you know um talk his trash and then he just he just took it so far over the top yeah uh in the subsequent seasons that i yeah i'm I'm now i'm like okay i don't i don't like i don't need to watch somebody with like a weirdly inflated sense of self-importance and like what respect in the world is like bumble their way around a house that because ultimately in the end watching it was not only like disturbing because he was acting like a psychopath but also just like sad because he clearly didn't understand what was going on so i don't know the whole the whole experience wasn't good um and i expect the reunion to be more of the same <laughs> there's just like a clear uh, language barrier that affects the whole experience yeah yeah for sure uh i'm looking forward to that reunion um, oh, it's although those great. things always they always wind up letting me down. I'm gonna just try to not to remember that. Of course. <laughs> that's the nature of this. I mean, I like that's that's why we don't come on this show and, and break down the real housewives because it's all reunion all the time. We we prefer the actual challenge. <laughs> that's fair. Um all right, should we move on to talk about uh, some some entertainment for the I week? I think we'd better. Um yeah, because we've got uh we got a lot of stuff to get through. Can we can we start with the thing that is freshest on my mind, which is the um, tremendously well regarded film Tar? Sure, let's start with Tar. I, I'm not sure this analogy works enough. It'd be better if if it, if, if if her last name was Gar, and I could just add the bidge. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what we're doing here. If I if I had to elevator, not pitch, because I wouldn't advise anyone to waste their time with their, to waste two hours and thirty five minutes of their time. Which, by the way, you end up watching the entire running time because they waste your time at the beginning of the film with credits. Um, it's like if Whiplash was longer and significantly less enjoyable, and also came to nothing. Um, I don't know what this movie is really trying to say that is interesting or original. And I don't know how anyone who is not a classical music obsessive could have enjoyed the majority of the two hours and 37 minutes, which is like ponderous shots of classical music being played. Um. <clears throat> Okay, this is you've now put me in an awkward position. Um, 
<laughs> and by the way, Kate Blanchett is a marvel. She's spectacular. Right. She's transformative. Um, she's an unbelievable actor. But like for me, it's a big who cares here because I don't want to waste my time. Yeah, like so now I'm sort of defending this movie with that I uh, that I did not enjoy even at all slightly. Um, I think at least that in terms of what we're doing here is that this is supposed to be a meditation on bad people making great art and trying to navigate that, separate the art art. Uh, from the from its creator. Well, I agree uh, with that. And a little bit about what the obsessiveness sure of making great art does to you as a person, right? Right, except um, that I I reject that as a basic premise. I don't think that is required. I don't think great art requires shitty personhood, um which seems to sure. be Sure. That's That's fine. And I would say where the movie goes off the rails is that I don't think the movie bothers to really say anything no. all of that is subtext that's right <laughs> this movie so. says nothing and like if it's a meditation it's not a very interesting one it's like a nap more than it's meditation um, yeah like and and, and it, it makes me sad like because you know as you said almost kind of dismissively it is an incredible showcase for Kate Blanchett it is an incredible performance she's remarkable it's it's just in service of I don't know what. That's right. You know? They forgot like, to put a movie around this incredible character that Cape yeah. Magic created. Like, I, I think she's probably going to win, right? But I don't – and I won't be mad about that. But let's not confuse this with a good movie. Like, this this movie should not be um, on the best picture list. No. To me – uh, the only caveat I would have is that I think I've hated every movie I've seen so far that's been nominated with the exception right. of Top Gun. So, right. um, which I would not call a best picture in, in any way, shape or form. Right. So um, I'm a little confused as, as to what we're doing here uh, with this year's Oscars. And I, and I'm now worried that that is going to be a recurring theme throughout our watching Oscar movies, because I don't, it's hard for me to decide. I think I hated Ban- Banshees of Inisherin more than this, and and they're similar. They were they're working some similar themes, honestly, in, yeah. to me in similar ways. See, uh, I I and I know you didn't, but I found Banshees of Inisherin quirky and funny in places, and this was just consistently a bummer. Yeah, um, I did not. I I found Ban- Banshees to be equally a bummer, but at least it was pretty. Yeah, this this was not <laughs> this also not even. Have that. It was just shot in very boring rooms for the most part. Um, and and yeah, I like there were no other characters worth noting in this film. There was no story worth paying attention to. And I, and I have to say, like, as I get older, and I think we've discussed this at times, um, as as a young person, I could not fall asleep with a screen on. So like, if you put on a movie and I was dog tired. I was going to be awake throughout that movie. Um, now I'll fall asleep if I'm tired. Uh, but I very rarely struggle to focus on a movie when I'm not exhausted. And I just could not. Like I found myself mind wandering, not totally aware of what was said over the last 30 seconds, multiple times in this movie because it's so excruciatingly. Yeah. It's just not good. Um, and a bummer to watch. Don't. What are we doing here? And so like, damn long. But I, 
why you do we and need I to... having this conversation are the first negative words I've heard about this movie. I know. And why do we need to spend two hours and 35 minutes doing nothing? Like why, even if this was a reasonably successful meditation on a, on complicated genius, like that does not require this length of time. No, no, no. Um, speaking of which, why do I need two hours and 45 minutes of uh, Wakanda forever? Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't. And I didn't, I'm, you know, I'm going to like this a lot better than you as is our custom when it comes to superhero flicks. Um, but like, I hate to put it this way, man, because they obviously like ever there was, they did their best and it, it's a, it's a bad situation. That's nobody's fault that they were in, but this movie was a, you know, nearly three hours of a gaping, aching hole in the shape of Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> yeah, which is a tough problem, but you feel like would have been the primary focus of, um, of right of 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 your screenwriting challenge, and yet it seems like they just sort of forgot it. It was even an issue at all, and we're just like, well, we're gonna make this weird movie without him. Yeah, yeah, it sucks, man, because you spend almost three hours wondering what could have happened if Bo- Chadwick Boseman hadn't tragically passed away. Like, that's what this was. Um, and look, it, it, it has some incredible set action set pieces. Um, I Does actually, it? I thought it did. I thought some of those like water fights were pretty sick. I thought the fight, the first fight where they're like flying around inside Wakanda and the, you know, the fish people come to attack the first time was cool. Like I enjoyed that stuff. I thought visually yeah, the first was, one. You're, yeah. yeah, you're right. The, the I thought the the fish people siege of the sub with Lake Bell I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. It felt this generally felt really boilerplate um, uh, Marvel to me. Yep. And um, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Actually, like, I was I was. Uh, um, it's almost like, like it's you know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Is kind of how I feel about all of this. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I can't, I can't help but like place some of that disappointment at the feet of Ryan Coogler because if I had an expectation that this would elevate itself above boilerplate Marvel stuff, which I like, so again, this is not like a disaster for me. It's just not better than an average Marvel film, and I think it's. More so than the the Black Panther brand, it's the presence of Ryan Coogler that made me think it would be. Yeah, that's the thing is, I, I just a second ago when we were talking about what's missing, I almost went hard in on, well, what's missing is Ryan Coogler, and I had to stop and go check and make sure that he didn't direct it. I was like, oh, wait, he's he not did. missing. But yeah. it feels like he is. It like, does. It feels like a director with like an artistic vision beyond pushing forward the MCU was missing, and and it's weird because he was right there. So what it almost feels like to me is he had his Black Panther sequel ready to go featuring Chad Bozeman, and when that became impossible, they quickly worked together to develop a Disney Black Panther sequel, and that's what we got. <laughs> it's like they said, hey, let's just make a generic Marvel movie. With black people in it. Because we got to get it out. And that, yeah. that's what this felt like. It felt like, and, and I'll say it's better than just being like with black people in it because Wakanda is established and like they're a legitimate, yeah. you know, well-established and the, part and of the, the cast universe. Is, 
there there's some you know some great people in this cast. I'm not sorry. I was a little dismissive of that. But. Yeah, and by the way, Letitia Wright and and I thought the guy who played Namor was good. Like the, like again, the average MCU movie is is good if you're into that, right? It's just there are certain outings from this universe where we go in expecting more, and when we don't get it, it is a little disappointing. Especially for uh, you, who really is only interested in the ones that are, are something right. more. <laughs> that are something more. This was just uh, endless. It was. It was like I just yeah. Well, and that's the thing too is if you're not into the general comic bookiness of the MCU, like it's it's interminable because all that's all that's all you're getting for two hours and forty minutes, which is too long by any measure. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing here, guys? You know what I mean? I, I wonder I, if this take is going to disappoint you. Um, what are we doing here was generally my reaction to meet me in the bathroom as well. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. I don't know that I would say I'm disappointed by that, but I'd like to hear your take. This made me want two different entertainment products. Um, on one hand, I think you could make a narrative series in the style-ish of the of Pistol, the Sex Pistol series, that told more or less the interwoven multi-band story they're telling here that I would be very interested in, watching the characters of Karen O and the Strokes and, I guess, Interpol, although not really, be developed over time. I also think I would like to see documentaries individually about at least two of these bands, um, because yeah, yeah, yeah's and the Shrokes are very interesting to me. Uh, they didn't really do any of that. There was not much sort of character building. It was more like, hey, you remember that time that these bands were kind of like hanging out in the same places? Like, here are some artistic videos of that. And I just didn't get enough insight into anything. Um which I found, like, disappointing. So, like, there was a lot of stuff that it was fun to see here. There were some good stories told. There were some, interv- like, old interviews. With, like, Ryan Adams being like, drugs? Nah, what do you mean? Um, was pretty hilarious. But, I don't know. The whole thing, it, it amounted to sort of nothing for me. Well, it's interesting for me because... I, you know, I came at this from a slightly different perspective because I had, you know, obviously I'd read the book yeah. uh, that this is based on. So the book is an oral history, right? Like it's it's literally just quote, quote, quotes, 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? Adding up to a story. So in a way, like it's sort of would be hard to turn that into a movie, right? That would because it would just literally be all interviews um, and they don't really do like it's not a ton there's there's ID no stuff here right i don't think there's any yeah like so, you hear some interviews but there's no like itm style and honestly i think i would have preferred to see them talking about it than to just see like you know artistically spun and colored pictures of bad concert footage i don't know and i think i do think that um the the book does sort of get into some of more of some of that stuff that you wanted to. It also tells more stories 
Um, and the thing is, I think in terms I, of the bands, you know what I mean? Like, right. You get to, there's a, a lot about Jonathan Fire Eater in the book, which is a band that wound up not making it. Well, and which I, I think, think you probably just as an interesting story to tell. You know? Yeah, and you probably bring to the table that knowledge of some of the like interconnectedness of these bands, but none of that is really explored effectively by the film. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is right. Like a big part of this is um, how there was a club night in New York called misshapes. That was a like kind of the hub for all of this scene energy in New York happening. And, and that's that essentially new information. It's not even me. mentioned in the, in the movie. Right? Yeah. That's not great. That's not a great job because I didn't know that till you just told me. And right. I, I was kind of like, okay, but how do these bands connect, especially Interpol, to what the hell's going on here? And like, and they, they gave you a little bit of that Interpol, like for the the Strokes were the band they were constantly being compared to, right? You know, right? What I mean? that, but like, it's hard to know why, other than like, I guess the one similarity is they both like did a lot of repeating notes on the guitar. But, like, they're not similar bands. They don't have similar vibes. And they certainly don't have, like, similar, like, apparent attitudes about life. <laughs> well, they, they both like to wear blazers on stage. That was the other thing. Um, I guess. But very different blazers. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. Now, that said, I do want to say, I think there were some things here, footage-wise, that were not in obviously not in the book because there's no footage in a book um, <laughs> that, that I think were super compelling. Oh, like, no doubt. To see LCD sound systems first rehearsal yes. was, for me, incredible. I thought like, the best incredible. stuff the best stuff was about James Murphy and LCD sound system and probably the most coherent like individual story was just the sort of career arc of of uh, James Murphy, who is a yeah, fascinating and the person. Records and, and the and the rapture and, and and all of that stuff and just how right. yeah you're right how weird his career is generally yeah um some of that stuff I thought was really interesting. The other thing is, and I don't know why this was not a thing that was burned in my consciousness for all times, but the footage of. That Courtney Love MTV2 special where Albert yep. Hammer Jr. is on live television, whacked out of his court. Yeah. Asleep. Was, what a thing to see. Like, I can't believe that it just that aired live on television. And I'm really sad I wasn't watching it at the time. But um, when you watch it back in that movie, you're like, oh, man, <laughs> things, things are off the rails. And. The book gets into the drug stuff, I think, uh, with a lot more clarity and specificity and tales from people who are there. Yeah, uh, our superstar is it has a number of interviews in the book, and that's mostly what it's talking about is all the drugs that they did. Um, and 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 I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, Ryan Adams is allowed to skate by on like, no, nah, we never talked about drugs. No, me and Albert. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they get they get much deeper into the Ryan Adams things as, as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's amazing that the drug thing is like the second most problematic thing about Ryan Adams <laughs> in all of this. So, yeah. That dude, um, <laughs> that dude is a walking problem. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not great. Um, the I problem is very, no stuff I thought was a lot of that as, as someone who was sort of a passenger is the wrong word. Um, but you know, who was adjacent 
to 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 that to to that ascent. Well, that you know was what your I mean? world. That was your world and, of music when it happened. Yeah, and to watch that and, and to to know even then in real time, you could see it was kind of having an effect on her, as you know this this sort of duality of her stage personality. And some of, I thought some of the early stage footage of the AAS is really great too. Yep. Um, and, and capturing the kind of the insane energy of those shows. Well, and there was definitely uh, some like, how did you get that footage of like parties yes. and stuff like that? But it just, I just don't think it came together into anything coherent or particularly worthwhile. Unfortunately, I think it was, I think it was a fun watch for me, at least for the most part, but you're right. There were certainly, you know, areas that a book is better prepared to explore. And I would recommend the book to anyone. It's you know it's a thick book, but yeah. it's an old history, so it, it reads real easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's about fun stuff. That <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense to me. And I, I I bet I would like the book, but I just like I don't know. This movie to me like needed either a totally different style or like ten hours. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it would have been. I don't know. Like I think it would have been better almost in like a. Like if they'd made it in sort of like that HBO music box kind of style right. that had a little bit more interviews and was more a combination, back, you know what I mean? Then, yeah. um, then, uh, this, which I think was a little bit more about trying to actually capture the moment verite. Right. Um, well, and then, and then like turn it into like a feelings film uh, that tries to like place you into the context rather than anything giving you like interesting information. I, you you don't hear from any of these people in the present day, really. And I would love to hear Karen O now talk about what that was like as a very young person trying to navigate their rise. I would love yeah. to hear what Albert Hammond Jr. has to say about being passed out on live television. But we don't get any of that. Me too. And, uh, you know, or TV on the radio. Um, yeah. Or, you know, or Julian Casablancas. And, I, and you're right. And like the, like the AES put out a really great record last year. You know what I mean? Like I think, I think that they reached a place in their music where they're they're pretty okay, and that some of those trappings of you know just sort of the insanity of her stage presence and like literally bruising herself every night on stage, like where that stuff is no longer necessary or expected, and I'm sure it's a, a, little, a lot more comfortable for her. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, no doubt. I'd like to hear her say that because I could be totally wrong. Right. You know. So. Um, or, and like, I, what was that process of healing that got them to a better place? I don't know. Like, those are the things that are interesting to me in the life of these bands. And instead what we got was like a artistic snapshot of a time in history. Yeah. Look, I still think it's fun. I, I really enjoyed just kind of reliving those moments. And like I said, that, you know, watch like watching LCD's first rehearsal blew my mind, especially knowing that like Nancy was like, yeah, I used to play piano as a kid. Right. I'm going to join this band in my thirties. It was and incredible then, that he was yeah. like, I found this musician, this musician and my drinking buddy, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Oh, by the way, we're going to become one of the greatest live bands of all time. Nuts. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, so yeah, look, it's just a snapshot of that energy. I, I still think it's worth your time, but I do agree that, um, there were some depths that this film felt unable to explore as a, as a yeah, and I think my expectations hurt me here because I was excited to like hear from them today about that time, and it didn't happen. Um, but but I I'm not going to argue with you. Like as a experience, this wasn't bad, and and I like some of those bands, so I enjoyed seeing them. Uh, I I really 
like connecting Interpol to that scene, even if they were there, doesn't make sense to me. But whatever. <laughs> check check out the book; it'll make a lot more sense for you. I that's bet the, it will. But like to me, they were just like weird emo interlopers in this movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe in this movie and in life, uh, I guess a little bit. Um, it did. I, I, it did that's meaner than anything I've said about Interpol. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I've, I've spent some time with them. They're all very nice people. I'm not, it was that, I, that was shadier maybe than I meant it to be. Um, I, I did forget like Carlos D was a really groovy bass player. And that was, that was kind of a, a fun reminder that when you watched him play, you're like, Oh yeah, that guy was an asshole, but he really did have something on that bass. Well, there was um, just, they only, they only gave it to you once, but yep. <laughs> it was, it was the lead guy. Was his name Brandon or something? Um, something, he has some emo name and, same difference he yeah. was like yeah you know like we had our differences and 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 really what he said was like yeah basically like we hated each other all the time but boy when he got that bass in his hands and then they cut to one I, I, it felt like they had turned up the bass on, on in the studio yeah but like and it was just like oh wow he really can play and then that yeah, was it. They it did it back actually because the bass is very was very prominent in the early Interpol records and the, there you in go. the mix. Well, yeah, then it's so. just him being an asshole again, and you're like, who would want to be around this guy? It was one of those things. I mean, it's how rare is it when a guy, when a bass player leaves the band where you're like, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep it going without that guy, right? Yeah, like that's a few, almost but never it's not happens. a lot. But that was that was uh, that was what it was like when Carlos. Left. I mean, you know what that is? That's a list of the great rock bass players of all time is the list that you're <laughs> talking about, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's Rush, it's The Who. Red Hot Chili Peppers, maybe. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, <laughs> that uh, that takes us to um, somebody used to know, right? Yes, and this was my favorite thing we watched this week by a long shot. Mine I, too, but I think you have to – a giant butt, right, in that like – the stakes for this are so much lower than, you know, Tar or even Wakanda Forever in terms of like, yeah, it, it 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 it's this is fun, but it's not trying to do much. You know what I mean? Well, its ceiling is lower, but it, despite having a lower ceiling, it ends up at a higher altitude than any of these other movies. So <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discredit it for that because I like that someone is making movies that don't have high stakes but are good. And I thought this was really good. And while it is ultimately a, you know, relatively low ceiling rom-com, I thought this was as creative and original a take on the rom-com format as I've seen. And also, you know, I thought really no, this is a movie that knows the rom-com genre well enough to successfully subvert it in a really good way entertaining way yeah i think that that's absolutely true um allison Bree did a really good interview with the with the watch pod um and that's the other part of this right talked about about this and you know it was a a pandemic idea with her husband that started from them watching a bunch of these movies and um and them having an understanding about what they really liked about them and and what they didn't you know right and how can we subvert some of the more obvious and often sexist tropes and make something new and interesting. And I think they did it. And I think that's the other thing I wanted to talk about is Alison Brie is a superstar. Yeah, it's fun to watch her, you know, take more of a voice and, and more of a writing role, I think, in, in a lot of the stuff that she's been 
been doing lately because it, 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 it you know, obviously she's a great actor, but it does seem like she has stuff to say. Yes. And it also seems like she's sort of part of a community of people, right? Like this is, you can tell they made this a lot with their friends. 100%. I was actually surprised to find out it's the first time that she and Danny Pudi had worked together since Community, but they had written this with him in mind. Um, and, and I think and, his role is really great, right? Like he's he's got a tricky thing to do and that he's really trying to be a good friend to uh, two different parties with two very different aims in this and yes. trying to make sure that none of them get hurt and somehow sort of manages to do it, I think. You yes, know? and the on-screen uh, chemistry between them just as like partners in a scene is undeniable. And just I, the, look, Allison Bree's ability to carry a movie is undeniable. Watching this, and and I think that's noteworthy. Yeah, I I would say that uh, if I was, I mean, look, it's interesting, right? Because this is the, now the kind of movie that mostly does exist on Netflix, right? Right, or or this Amazon or what have you, Prime. Yeah. yeah, but like they're not making this movie in in theaters anymore. But if I was the kind of person who was looking to cast uh what 10 years ago would have been a reese witherspoon vehicle you know what i mean yep she would be way at the top of my list of yep. people to call yeah and just in terms of she's a tremendous actor she's completely relatable and i think that she gets what really makes this movie kind of sing and, and she's also just very funny yeah that, that too. <laughs> and and this is a good Jay Ellis role, although, you know, he's not necessarily as rangy or impressive. Like, he's he's really good in this. And I really love Kiersey Clemens, who plays his fiance, who I even looking at her, her, uh, you know, IMDb or whatever, took me a minute to remember what I was really remembering her from. D- did you connect her? It was uh, dope, right? That 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 was her breakout role, but that is actually not what I was thinking of, and that's why oh. it took me so long because I was like, "Oh, dope, yeah, maybe that's it," but it wasn't. Uh, wasn't one of the one of the Joe Swanberg that's Netflix right. things? Yeah, it was she was easy. Uh, easy. Yeah, the she beer, was like the uh, babysitter beer girlfriend. Yeah, um, and that of course was with Dave Franco. Um, so again, when you say like this, really seems like a thing where they picked people that they enjoyed working with and knew well and brought them in. I think that plays right into that same thing. And I think the result was like a movie that I would gladly recommend to everyone and different from everything else we watched this week. It was consistently enjoyable, like on, on point in terms of understanding itself and like successfully executing what it wanted to do and just enjoyably not two and a half hours long. Yep. And then down the ending, I think. Yes. <laughs> yes, a mean? great ending. But, and that, to me, is the part that really sets it apart from the average rom-com, or even a pretty good rom-com, is that... It could actually happen. It, it was know. somewhat realistic, and it didn't involve, like, a hilarious, you know, wedding mix-up where someone leaves their... You know, it wasn't this big, overproduced rom-com ending. It was, like, a life ending that didn't ruin the romantic comedy at all, but, like, made it feel more grounded and real. Yeah, yeah, could have said them. Um, it, it, isn't it weird? Sometimes it's like the thing you least expect turns out to be the, the most enjoyable thing of the week. It was uh, definitely the thing that I had the least expectation for going in, and it was the thing that I found the most enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, well, should we talk about this week's crop of movies? 
Yeah, I mean, we're really stuck in movie zone here because we're kind of in a, a slow period for new TV. So uh, trying to get some Oscar stuff and then look at some new things, too. Yeah, we actually only went up with one movie at the end of all that. So. Oh, did we? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that movie will be The Fablemans, which is the Steven Spielberg. Uh, essentially, it's a biography, right? So he's I, really I, mean, I guess like we're supposed to say it's like a biographical uh, narrative film about a family that's a lot like the family he grew up in. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll tell you more about that after we watch it. It does have uh, a a impressive ensemble cast, so hopefully that yeah. carries the day. I have some hopes for this one, um, despite the fact that I've talked about almost all the best picture nominees being a giant letdown so far. Um, yeah. uh, that is not available for free, just so you know. Um, but it is available to stream. Uh, a a or relatively cheap it's, rental. Or, yeah, yeah. you know, join SAG and uh, you'll get a screener in the mail. It's one of the it's, it's one of the only things that sent an actual DVD this year. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's so Spielberg's that. choice or what. Uh, we're going to watch a show called Fakes, uh, mm-hmm. which was Netflix, right? Let's go back and make sure I have this. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we originally thought it was somewhere else. But it's on Netflix ultimately. Oh uh, no, it's Prime Video. Excuse me. Prime. Oh, Video. it seems to be on both. Well, that's weird. That is very right, weird. Where did we find it? Fake season one. Um. Uh, we're gonna watch that. Uh, Mark Maron's got a special on HBO Max. Yeah, that's right. That's why we didn't end up with more movies because we're gonna watch Mark Maron. Yeah. Instead of instead of a movie, and then it of is course, called from bleak to dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh and then of course there's the Challenger Union special. So um we will we'll get into uh all the drama that unfolded post show and uh I don't know, maybe talk a little bit more about this uh world tournament that's coming up. It seems like it's gonna be badass. So uh a full plate this week yet again. Uh, I love a full plate. Love a full plate of food and also of television and movie content. All right, man. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door's closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.